Hey, it's your Kali. What's up? Warning. 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 You are about to listen to facts, stories, interviews, gossip, and much more fascinating things that will be so stunning, there's a possibility that your mind will blow. This show will start five, four, three, two, one. Hey, what's up, everyone? You are listening to WLPN LP Chicago 105.5 FM Lopen Radio, broadcasting live studio-wide from Yolokali Little Village. And my name is Brian. My name is Jerry. And welcome back. Welcome back, Brian. <laughs> Haven't seen you in a long time in front yeah. of a microphone. It's been like probably, you know, almost a year. Nah, I don't think so. Okay, guys, we're going to get started with our uh, our show today. Um, So today we have a special What's Up show. Uh, we gathered audio pieces from our Humanities 123 class at Harold Washington. And we had uh, our final project, Brian, which was like last week, I believe. Yes. I think it's barely been like a week that yeah, we've been out of school, right? Been, yeah, it's yeah. actually, today's actually been a week. And our final project on our Humanities class at Harold was on our personal beliefs. And we are proud to touch up on this topic and happy to be a part of this class. And we are also pretty proud and happy with the results of the classmates that uh you know they want to participate in presenting their audio pieces on air so this is pretty cool brian right yeah actually like the class it was like kind of different from other classes that i've taken we like um we went through a lot of uh different topics in art and yeah we went we analyzed them like kind of deeply we did like a few projects of like each topic like for example we started with poetry and literature yeah, and then, then it, it went to music and cinema and then architecture. And dancing. Oh, yeah, we dancing, dancing too. as well. Dancing was a pretty big topic, too. Yeah, but we went through, like, also other, like, serious topics. Like, we, like, watched this documentary about um, uh, Hurricane Katrina. Oh, yeah, I remember that one. Oh, it was really good. And then, like, the uh, I forgot her name. The girl, she became now, like, an uh, an artist, like a rapper. Yeah, she, she yeah. was a really, really good rapper, but, like, the other piece was like really deep like it didn't just show like the catastrophe that uh, katrina left behind but also like how the government was not helping at all yeah i, re- I remember that doc- that was a pretty good um documentary i really enjoyed that one yeah and like also cinema like something we'd never like i've never seen before like we studied like the elements and, like how to uh difference them you know how to like uh, oh like uh yeah uh, I, I forgot what movie it was um about was it about Che Guevara? Oh yeah, the motorcycle diaries. The motorcycle Ooh, diaries. The, the yeah. movie was awesome. Yeah, I really liked that movie. Um, yeah, we we went to in 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 a deep talk with like uh, editing and how to use a camera wisely and yeah. how you can present a scene or even a piece of film or just like a scene itself um, with different angles and like low shots, high shots, and stuff like that. Um, I really liked the architecture walk. I don't know if you remember doing that. Which one? The uh, it was a field trip. We we had I think we had two field oh, trips. Uh, one at the Chicago Cultural Center, Cultural Center, and then the architectural walk where we walked wow. around downtown. I, I don't know. If went you did to it. the last one. You didn't. So, no, I just went to the uh, Cultural Center. You missed out. So yeah. we had a architectural no. walk. We were looking at the skyline of Chicago, and we, uh, I think the last building we passed by was the Aqua Building, which I didn't know it was uh, designed by a female architecture. Oh, that's and, cool. Um, it was actually it's actually the tallest uh building that has ever been designed by a female um so it's like really interesting but even then it's like oh when when compared to other buildings it's not really the tallest compared to other ones but even then still it's like pretty cool and i like really like that building uh, um i remember i was struggling with that building because i picked it for my art class to draw it <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole different story yeah but actually something unexpected was that uh me and jerry choose like the same classes yeah like we yeah we pretty much picked up the same classes but uh different times yeah the one we're gonna weird. we're talking about you know monday 123 like we choose like different days and there i was think i picked one. it mondays and wednesdays yeah and mine was it. only thursdays they're only thursdays yeah no tuesdays no what yeah, it was three hours long 
Oh, uh, mine was uh like an hour or something each. But even then, it was fun. I liked it. Yeah, I enjoyed too. it. And the teacher was really nice. She was yeah. Shout out to Miss Amanda Lewis. Yeah, she's oh, an awesome person to us. So hopefully, <laughs> hopefully. <laughs> um, so we're gonna start uh talking about our beliefs, Brian. Yeah. How well, this is a project we've been working on since like almost the beginning of the semester. And yeah. uh, first, like we did like um. She shows like uh, some audio clips of other people's uh, belief statements, and I remember we like she introduced us to this other website, where like people yeah. uh, uploaded their uh, statements, and I remember I heard one from like uh, Tony Hawk himself saying like, "Oh yeah, skateboarding I like uh, change him like mean like like he he meant to say like just because you skateboard doesn't mean like it doesn't bring you a future and stuff like that." Yeah. There was a lot of them like that. Yeah, that was a uh pretty good ones. Um yeah, but this I, I remember I think we were assigned a Tony Hawk one. If not, I think I just came up across it, but I remember that one. Mm-hmm. Um so for today we're actually gonna uh we have uh a lot of audios from our classmates uh on their beliefs and we're gonna briefly talk about ours and we're gonna showcase theirs and we're gonna talk a, 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 about it, right? About yeah. theirs, yeah. I think that'll be nice. Um, and some of these audio pieces are really, really good. And I really wish we get to play majority of them. Uh, I feel like they need the, you know, the spotlight, if anything. Yeah. And I know, I know that like, there was like a few of them that like, because before we recorded the audio, we, uh, we wrote the statement and then we like shared with other people to read it and like to make sure like if we need to add something. And I know there was this guy who did one about his pet, like, how he think like pets should be like taken more seriously and stuff, and unfortunately he not he did not record it. <laughs> oh man! So like I know there's other these have believe statements that uh I wish we could have with us, but unfortunately we we don't. Yeah. Um. I mean we have a few good ones. Uh, they're all good, but I don't know if we're gonna play through all of them. We have an hour. I know we have a lot of them. We have a lot. Um. Uh, so hopefully we get through all of them. Yeah. But I, like, I want to probably like people's wondering like what what is the project about you know this is yeah. a deep statement so um i th- in my opinion the project was more of a personal approach um mm-hmm. it, it it was like a you know we had to do it our own thing and we we did have to share it with our classmates but it was also a personal approach within ourselves um i remember miss Lewis uh she, when she was giving uh the project uh in the first weeks of uh, our semester she said that she she wanted us to really emphasize on something that we believe in um it doesn't really have to be religious it can be something personal yeah and something that you know that has been with us ever since we were little or something that we developed along the way uh but something that changed us in our lives and that really you know affected us for good you know or that includes like a social um context or social problem like that yeah like Uh, something that you believe like it's right or wrong like something it's like has to be in within your beliefs you know yeah um so should we start talking about our beliefs or what uh, do you want to sure, sure um, let's go. um i guess i'll start first uh my belief um it was it happened at a very i, I don't want to say young age but it happened like kind of recent i want to say um i was 18 and it's been four or five years or so um oh, and old. I'm old now. <laughs> um, and so, something really happened to me and, and it affected my life because um, um, I remember when I was a little kid, I was 10 years old. I moved down to the south side of Chicago and I I was alone. I didn't have friends. I didn't make a lot of friends and I was just quiet. I was this introverted kid and would never want to talk to anyone. And then a few months in when I moved down south, um, my mother, she had an idea of, of getting pets for the house, uh, mainly like guard dogs or something because we were in like we're, we're kind of like in a bad neighborhood yeah so she thought like we should get you know dogs and we did and um we uh we had gotten uh one dog uh for me and for the house but ma- I, w- I would mainly take care of her and she she was at first she was really shy but when we picked her up um she came from a, like an abusive family and an abusive home oh, and no. and we had to you know pay pay like a good amount in order to get her but even then when we got her she was very shy she was always scared and the day we picked her up we had to put her in a skateboard and roll her to the car and i had (laughs) to carry her and i was little i I, she was pretty big at the time but she was still heavy for me and and but i mean i did my best i put her in the car we took her home and 
we we took us a while for us to bond and then within our family but she was very protective she saw that we were different and she saw that we we showed her love and care and we took care of her and she changed for us and she changed you know for, for within our family and she became a family member and she was always there for us and then one day um eight years later i want to say nine years later um she she had this thing inside of her that i couldn't do anything about it um financially i wasn't stable and i wasn't really able to help much and my family and my mom and my sisters they weren't able to do much because um i was in charge of the dogs and i was in charge of her and it, and it was just her and my other dog um so their names is bonita and spooky um the uh bonita was the first dog that we ever had um uh, she was a german shepherd crossed with a rottweiler um she was very tiny for her for her size for being from a german shepherd mm. um and then the other one was a uh, uh, a chihuahua mixed with a dachshund and he was pretty old by the time we got him but even then she was we got her when she was practically a puppy but she was pretty big for being a puppy because she's a german shepherd yeah and um, eight years pass, and we fu- we find out that she had uh, a tumor, and he, and the the other dog, uh, Spooky, he had a tumor too. She had it in her stomach, and he had it in his oh, leg. No. And w- I was like, "Oh no, we're that's it. Like I don't know what to do." I was confused. It was just me, and it it really messed me up. But I mean, um, I did my decision. Um, I did it for the best of me, and I b- did it for the best of her. I, I didn't want her to be in pain, so um, I picked euthanasia um it, it did m- mess me up for the first couple of months and maybe a year but after a while i just kind of grew into it and i was like you know what it was you know for her for her greater good i didn't want her to suffer and um i know she she probably misses me and, and i know i miss i miss her too and and it's something that uh it really affected me because i was at the time i was 18 but even then it's something that for eight years nine years i had this these two dogs with me always with me like i would go home and i would see them or even at night i would just like hang out with them or sleep next to them or something and and mm. it, it it really messed me up because they were like my really true friends that they always be there for me and listen to me and it was just like saying goodbye to all those memories but even then i know i have those memories in my head and it's really great to think about them and see see where where they are in my head um but i also um a little side note um i always carry them with me because i i i miss them so much and i love them and i'm sure they miss me too because i always fed them (laughs) (laughs) um so after a while uh when i recuperated from from that event um i got tattoos for them to you know to dedicate it to them and i have their dog leashes on me i always carry them with me because uh um i want them to see it, it might seem corny or like cheesy but I want them to see me every day and see me like grow up as a person and just like as a human being. And I want them to see when I go to school or when I go to work or whenever I go to some place. Um, so I always carry their, their dog colors with me. People always ask me, what are they or why do you have them? And I always tell them the story. It is sad, but I feel like it's a really good one because it's they're still with me. They, they might not be here with me physically, but, you know, spiritually and emotionally and mentally, they're here with me and they see me every day. Wow. That's yeah. like a pretty emotional uh, statement as well. Yeah, it, it was. Uh, when I wrote it, I was like, okay, I'm going to write it because this is something I really strongly believe. And I, yeah. it's like something that I that I still is attached to me. And I feel like my belief is uh, during self-evaluation, it's okay to, you know, uh, express yourself emotionally. It's okay to cry. It's okay to talk to people. Um, I, I know it can be hard to talk to someone for the first days or couple of weeks. But, you know, after a while, you eventually... You'll have to talk to someone, but it's okay to talk to a friend or a family member, even a stranger, you know, so I, as yeah. long as you have someone listening to you. Yeah. yeah. You actually kind of remem- reminds me of one of the other um, audio pieces I heard on the website she showed us about, um, <coughs> uh, what was it about? It was like this girl who had this friend and um, this friend had cancer and the narrator of the um, was saying that she believes that it's important to even if you can't do anything about them just like be in their side you know yeah i think that like moral support is something that yeah. we really need and we have to learn in time like like doesn't mean like you have to do something big as, as, lo- as long as you can do something 
you know, like express yourself, you know, like it doesn't matter. So, yeah. Yeah. Um so what's your belief, Brian? Well, my belief I picked in like really uh kind of like personal thing as well. Yeah. And uh, even my when I turned my first draft, my teacher questioned me like, "Are you sure you want to share this?" I'm like, "Yeah, why not?" So I use um I I did my statement based on my journey from Mexico through here and Oh, nice. And I basically stated first that um how I lived with my parents for four years and I had to live with my grandparents and my uncles and aunts in the same house. And like within all that time that my parents would tell me that it would take me to the US with them. But I did not realize at first that it was a hard thing to get like to get me a visa to come here, you know. Yeah. That it might take me like not just months, like probably years to do so. Yeah. And the time when they told me like it was finally time for me to go there, which it was like probably easier in a way to come like the the illegal way to here it was a better alternative you know because probably getting my visa was almost impossible yeah and of course i was not gonna come alone by myself you know uh, uh we decided that my one of my uncles was gonna accompany me you know we we're gonna go together and he was like a really close person to me he was like the father i did not have because i grew up without a father my biological dad, he, uh, he didn't take care of me, nor my mom. And my uncle, he he probably, I, f- I feel like he raised me the most than my mom, you know. Because after she left, I was always in his side. He would take me to places and he taught me a lot of stuff. And, um, well, that's when we decided that we were going to come together. And the plan was, like, not to cross the border because that was too risky. For us and for me, because I was still a kid, I was twelve years old. I was not that like that little, but I was I was still little. And uh, what we had to do is uh, cross through the line, where like you show like um, the officer your papers, your documents, your visa, and everything. But uh, the trick was, or the trick, like how they say it was, uh, my mom pay some coyotes, which are people that help you uh, cross, to help us. Uh, give us like some like fake documents in a way well they were not fake documents basically he, he they gave us the someone else's identity and we were supposed to pretend we were that person yeah and the funniest thing is that within those papers it had a picture of the actual person but that person and i remember his name cl- clearly i was supposed to be named miguel angel franco <laughs> but that person in the picture did not look anything like me yeah i'm like no way <laughs> no. <laughs> this is not gonna happen that not offense but that guy was too chubby <laughs> <laughs> i was like dude i i guess yeah and well the plan was for me and my uncle to cross together to go together but uh for some reason they separated us and they sent my uncle with this other guy and they were supposed to pretend that we we're brothers so well first we we went to arizona and that's where we were staying in a hotel and then they picked us up that's when my uncle and the other guy uh passed first and they like it took them like almost like two hours before before it was my turn and i don't know i was just confused because i was i did not know like am i supposed to go by myself or something and there was this other lady who was pregnant and for some reason uh we were gonna cross pass together but i don't know why and well at the end it did not work out. Obviously, the officers did not believe me because of the picture. So I was detained there. And they sent me to the Consulado of Mexico right there. It was like right there. And well, well, they contacted my family and everything. And they decided to send me to a shelter in Texas. Where like they kept other kids that had the, almost the same case as me that were crossing... Um, by themselves, or they were separated from their parents when they were detained. And the point of that shelter was to have other those kids to be reunited with their families, mostly their parents. But if their parents couldn't do it, at least their closest family. And well, I stayed there like for like a week and a half before they contacted my parents and my mom, like uh, fixed all the papers we had to and everything. 
and that's when they sent me back to my um, with my mom. They they sent me personally to my mom, but I was I was kind of I was really surprising being there because there were so many kids that were detained and away from their parents. Yeah, and most of them are pretty young too. I I imagine. Yeah, like I'm not really. <laughs> there was this girl that that been there, all like probably more than a year in there in that uh. shelter you know because it's a long process and um there were like so many like the shelter it's like they would like send you to like literally houses you know and that's when like like in the houses will be like will feel like well like at least five or six kids and then the like the sitter like the babysitter like you could tell we would call them tias you know yeah and but that made me realize that it, it's sad, you know, all these kids that have been separated from their families. And I was like, wow, this is something I never thought it would happen. And, well, after I was reunited with my mom, everything, I was, everything was okay, you know, but it made me think, like, it, it just, it just thinks that uh, you have to be separated from your family after this. Oh, and I found out that my uncle did not make it neither. So he was, he was detained, and he was sent to jail for like six months, and then he was deported back to Mexico. Oh man! So it made me realize that like all this hard work that you do and all this stuff you had to go through for nothing, you know? Yeah. Like, I didn't, I didn't like the fact of that stuff happening all the time, and um, my belief was that basically no human being should be considered illegal. Because we're not objects that you yeah. can deal with, like not any object. We're actual persons, and we should be like we should have the the free will to cross another country, or like at least make it easier for people. You know. Yeah, I agree. I feel like, in my opinion, if I mean, if the world's out there to explore, anybody should have you know the access to you know travel and explore it, and you know have fun with the world. Because you know it's 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 our lives. We have one life, and you know, yeah, we gotta go see everything. And you're separated from your family. Yeah, like there's people that haven't seen their family for like for years, almost a decade, two decades. Yeah, like, like years, like yeah. So it's uh, you know, and that's yeah, that's my my statement. Yeah, um, I'm glad you shared your story with us, Brian. I'm pretty glad that you're here with me, co-hosting the show. <laughs> um, it weren't for you, I don't know what I would be, you know hosting it with but i'm really <laughs> glad you're here with me so yeah we're gonna go on with our show um so we're actually gonna play our first uh audio story for the this i believe for our humanity class um and this person's called uh anisia yeah and, and i think that's from your class right yeah it's my class i believe um so stick around and enjoy when people talk about climate change they always talk about polar bears and ice caps and they always talk about it with a degree of removal, like it won't have any foreseeable effects in the future on human beings. In the past 250 years, humans have raised the amount of carbon dioxide in the atmosphere by 40%, and we aren't doing anything to reduce that number. In April, the amount of carbon in the atmosphere exceeded 402 parts per million, higher than it's ever been in the past 800,000 years. The amount of carbon dioxide usually peaks in May, and has only gone above 400 in 2013. The fact that, that the amount of peaked in April means that the amount for this month will be higher than they've ever been, something we've had yet to see the effects of. What we usually ignore about carbon dioxide, the leading contributor to global warming, is that it tends to hang out in the atmosphere for hundreds of years, keeping heat and radiation in the atmosphere that would otherwise be bouncing away into space. Instead of trying to cut back on the carbon, we're somehow managing to completely ignore the warnings of every climatologist and are making carbon dioxide than we ever have. Climatologists say that if we don't reduce our carbon emissions soon and drastically, that we're going to face rising sea levels, melting ice sheets, strong storms, heavy droughts, and economic downturns much faster than we would have if we had all just learned how to drive a Prius. Scientists have predicted predicted that if we reduce our carbon emissions, we can elevate some of the effects of climate change or at least reduce the rate and magnitude at which the changes happen. If we put a limit on the amount of fossil fuel burning allowed, thereby reducing the amount of carbon produced, we can improve the predicted state of the world. 
If everyone had to drive their Prius or even electric cars, if companies had to put a cap on how much gas they used, and if we put a limit on the amount of electricity usage, then we can populations on Earth a lot of trouble and save a lot of lives. I believe that my progress in calling on this planet has an expiration date. I feel like accountability for individuals will be changed in the world we want to see. As I get older, I start to realize how my choices greatly impact who I am today and why I still have time to be an amazing artist and humanitarian in this planet. I want to break out the circle that I'm only limited and should be following a straight line, just like how my classmates may have followed. I want to step outside the box and prove that I can, what I speak or think about, make it into reality and those around me. Born and raised in Chicago, I still wonder why I was homesick after moving to Los Angeles in six years. How can the nice weather and sandy beaches give me nostalgia of the Windy City? My brother and his friends, my mother and her co-workers and I had crowd of friends, but I was lonely. How could this have been the kryptonite to my jubilant energy with every person I come across? I want to address my mental health and how it affected my story and why I'd rather fight my demons under the Chicago clouds instead of under the sun in LA. The life in Hollywood wasn't always highly good for me, or was it all mental after coming back from California? My sophomore year, I tried to pursue my music career. I transferred from any high school in Humble Park to Oak Park River Forest, just west in the Austin neighborhood for my junior year. That was when everything changed for me. I met someone special that I called my mentor to this day. It was Milton McKinney, St. Millie. His activists and writing the music and performing made me think that it was all possible until the reality became more intense. I entered spoken word in Oak Park and registered for Hip Hop Wing, where students came after school to show their skill in rap and giving lyrical content. We then took a field trip to the Louder Than a Bomb finals, where my colleagues entered in and made it to the finals. That was when Kanye West's good friend, Rhymefest, judged and rising rapper Chance the Rapper performed Prom Night. It was my first time hearing Chance. My first time seeing someone just one year older than me glow with a sparkle that I knew was something that was going to change the world. I didn't know I was going to end up being involved with the many students and peers who went around spreading his name in Chicago until the rest of the world took notice. I watched him and his best friend Vic Mensa, who my mentor also promoted for, blow up and take Chicago artistry to a new level. I made me think that things are possible. I never felt this urge to get anything done unless I really wanted it, but my confidence was still low and still watching Chicagoans get their chance to be on TV and Billboard Hot 100s. It kind of made me jealous. I wanted that shine, but I didn't want to work as hard as they did. Am I starting to think it was the drive and willpower of wanting something to be your forever job? It was my duty and my calling to actually follow these instructions and actions needed to get to where I want to go. I think I found my role and found more confidence today as I start to see why I had such a low self-esteem. I think the social issues and social political issues we face today are why we become the products of our environment. I think if we change ourselves, we can change everything else with people around this world. As Mexican and Puerto Rican, born in America, in Humble Park, I'm sure that addressing all issues, we can all individually make an effort to take small and big steps to becoming who we want to be now. I feel like my energy in sending this out into the world, just like how others do, I believe that solely in my heart, honesty is the only way to get these points across. Growing up, I always knew that when I get older, I would have to face these obstacles, but I didn't know it would be more challenging than sanity and mental health. I've learned and grew along the road, and I wouldn't want to go back. I think my time to say what I have to say and do starts now. Hello, guys. We're back. You're listening to WLPNLP Chicago, 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio Y, Yolo Kali, in Little Village. So we just listened to uh, Anisha's piece and Ju- Julian's piece for their disbelief, and I really liked uh, Julian's and Anisha's. They were really nice. Um, Julian's really emphasized on mental health and the power of will and, you know, doing stuff for you and changing. Yeah. And I, I thought that was really nice, and I really enjoyed them, both of them. 
Yeah, me too. I like the second one. Which ones? Julian's. Julian's. Yeah, no, I actually like that he emphasized his, uh, like how he wanted to do like a music career, but like you had to do a lot. And he learned yeah. from his mentor. Yeah, and that within like his mentor, he learned a lot. And they, he saw all these people that he promoted, like Vic Mensa, Chance the Rapper, and you know, now they're big names in Chicago. So it, it feels really good to know that um, someone like Julian is able to, you know, to do all that yeah and to do all that it's pretty interesting and this is what i like about this statement is like you hear other people's uh their voices and you never know what they have done or like who they are you know like once you listen to it, you're like mind blowing you're like wow like this guy worked with all those people yeah or like he met them or he saw them or yeah stuff like that but i really i, I like these uh statements because um in class you know we have our one two or even three hours in class and we never get to you know really talk to one and one th with every classmate because everyone has their own personal lives they have work or they have to go home right yeah. away after class and it's like it's different from high school because in high school you, you guys get to bond and in, in, in college it's a little bit more different and you're like college you're basically by yourself you know yeah and i think these uh uh these i believe uh audio pizzas are really nice because it's like I, I know these uh classmates like by name but i never really you know we never really became like really close friends And it and it's really touching to hear what they've been through or what what they're going through and you mm -hmm. know you know what they believe in. It's really interesting because um you just it's like I've I've seen this person every almost every day, um for you know four to five months for school, but I never really got to to talk to them. And now I'm hearing these you know, audio pieces and it's like whoa like I can connect with you a little more yeah. like uh, like I understand you and it's pretty cool. Yeah, just for example, like my class, they were all quiet, like you know. Um, they never had too much to talk about, and uh, like coming back to the person that I remember that he did his statement about like about his pet, how he loved pets, and he he thinking that uh how like people should be adopting more pets and like not mistreating them, you know, like he hated animal view abuse and and something like that, and um, I remember he doesn't look like the type of guy, you know. I would love, like, we'd be really passionate about pets. And he's always really quiet, you know. He never talked a lot in class. And that's the thing, you know, when once you read his statements, you're like, wow, like, he's actually passionate about this. Like, something you were not expecting from them just by the look. And this is, like, something uh, I like. I think that's what, uh, that was the point of the of the teacher making us do all these statements. And, like, just speak our minds and show, like, who we are. Yeah, um, I remember one thing that Miss Luce did in the beginning of the class. I don't even remember, um, but she did it with my class. Um, we had to do like a like the a glitter? circle, the glitter, thing. the glitter. Oh, <laughs> that was really cool. Yeah, okay, I, I was gonna get into that. Um, so basically, we, um, what do we have? To do? We had to say something that um, that stresses that stresses us out, or yeah. uh, or that affects us yeah, in our and lives. And like we had to we had to sit on like in a circle, and then in the middle she put like a jar of, uh, with water, and like like around there was like containers uh, with litter glitter glitter yeah. glitter glitter glitter. <laughs> glitter and we had to pour us we could pour as much as glitter as as we felt like as how much we were stressed about um i remember i didn't put a lot because I, i wasn't sure if i was just stressed or nervous about school but um i i did put like a, a little bit and i was like um i think i just said i was nervous because it was my first semester in in a year and a half Uh -huh. so i wasn't really much stressed but i was just nervous like the outcome of this semester and like yeah. it's my first time in college in in a year or so and it's like everything's everything has changed everything is pretty new it's like new people you know i get to meet new people and it's pretty it was pretty like i was really nervous but yeah yeah and like i uh my experience i my glitter represented like my stress in school and work because i was taking five classes this semester and then full-time work and um i was actually not expecting a lot of people to to actually pour pour, pour the glitter in the in the jar because i felt like the it was like kind of cheesy in a way and i saw people's faces when they like when the teacher explained what we had to do but like, for my surprise like Probably like what ninety seven percent of my students, my classmates, actually did it, and I got to know like the stress and everything 
like the well they were going through you know that's what I like like every from since the beginning our teacher made us all speak our minds yeah um so we're gonna continue with our audio pieces um um I think that was a really nice talk about the what we did in our first day in the humanities yeah. class i I really missed that I think i've only we've only done it once but yeah. I remember actually yeah we we were in in circle just for like two weeks and then the rest of the weeks were normal classes you know but yeah but i really i really enjoyed that yeah i liked it um so we're gonna continue with our our this i believe uh audio pieces and we'll be right back i believe that no matter how difficult the situation you should never lose sight of your dreams i come from a relatively large family many of which have never made it to their high school graduation hence my high school graduation was a huge accomplishment However, the road to my graduation was not easy because I was placed in almost all advanced classes. I would spend a lot of my weekends staying in to do homework. Instead of going to family outings, I would sit at the kitchen table till 12 in the morning completing assignments. Out of frustration, my parents once said to me, You never want to go out with us. Instead, you just want to sit at the table to do homework. I remained silent. I couldn't explain to them that studying and completing homework assignments were important for me to maintain my grade point average. I also couldn't explain to them that my grade point average was a significant factor for me to get accepted to college because they would have never understood. My first semester in college was tough and eye-opening. I entered university being a first-generation college student with lots of expectations of facing obstacles with nearly no idea of how to succeed. And I did face several obstacles. I struggled to keep up with my classes academically. I was confused about what steps to take towards my major, but my biggest obstacle yet was keeping up with my payments towards my tuition. Near the middle of the semester, I confided with my advisor about my financial situation because the university told me I couldn't enroll until I paid off my tuition. I was never eligible for any financial aid before I would attend small paying events, but it was never enough. I was hesitant on confessing my struggles with my parents because they believed that I was wasting my time at university. After exhausting all measures with my advisor, I built up the courage to ask my parents to help me pay off my tuition. But they suggested for me to put my education on hold and get a job to save money. It was clear that they did not share the same dreams and wanted nothing to do with my journey. Getting a job was a possible solution. However, I knew that my grades would be put at risk. I also knew that getting a job would mean that I would no longer have time to volunteer or participate in the three student organizations that I was a part of. Scheduling tutoring sessions and meeting with advisors would become more difficult to manage as well. I felt as if I had hit rock bottom when my advisor finally said, you can't afford to stay another semester. I remember feeling the tears flowing out uncontrollably. A lot of feelings were anger. I was angry that I had always had to fight for my education and be my own support system growing up. I had also been so certain that I could prove my family wrong and show them that investing right now had a greater reward in the future. Yet in that moment, I felt defeated. After getting my emotions together, I concluded that my parents were right. My dreams of obtaining a bachelor's were a long stretch and I was foolish to believe so. I set my decision on discontinuing my degree until my advisor told me, I know things are going to be tough and we don't know what your next steps are going to be, but I just want you to never lose sight of your dreams. So I held on to her words. The remaining weeks of the semester were tough. I was working towards transferring to city colleges. The financial aid situation had put a heavy burden on my shoulders because I had to pay off the remaining balance and meet with faculty at the community colleges at the same time. Through the process, I also continued to butt heads with my family because I was not acquiring wealth in the moment. They did not think I was successful. Despite the hardships, I feared one thing the most, losing sight of my dreams. I knew that I wanted to update my bachelor's in nursing. I also knew that investing in my education would pay off in the future. Most days when I spend most days when I am studying at the library I often feel lonely but I continue to remind myself that my dreams are to get a bachelor's get a career and prove my parents that it is possible. Life lessons begin the day you make your own decisions. Like the time when I decided to skip my senior prom and go to a concert with a friend. That day there was a huge storm. At that time I did not have a car. 
So I got to the concert venue in the train. From the train station, my friend and I had a 30 minute walk to get to the venue. That walk consisted of cold rain soaking up our clothes and shoes. To top it off, the venue was outdoors. The rain never once stopped during the concert and we kept getting rained on. By the time the concert had ended, I had realized that we had missed our last train back to the city. No one I asked was willing to give us a ride back home. That night, we walked back to the train station where we were stranded until the morning. That night, I never questioned if the concert was worth it. If it was worth being stranded and having no money and no home, where the next best thing to having a warm place was to sleep inside of a handicapped porta potty until it was taken from us, if it was worth having soaked clothes and shoes and experiencing the night's cold temperature, if it was worth getting bronchitis and pneumonia weeks later, that was only the beginning of the many decisions I've made in which I was not unhappy with the consequences. I was aware that there were going to be consequences in which I was willing to face. If I would have listened to others, I probably would have been in a setting where I was uncomfortable and unamused. I believe that the decisions we make when it comes from within turn into stories of our adventures. I believe the decisions we make when we are influenced by others only causes pain and disappointment because what works for others may not work and benefit you. Of course, not everything that can impact you is negative, but if they are, then the only pro of these consequences is the lesson you learn that can help one become a better being. As a young adult, there is so much pressure to be successful. Sometimes this pressure leads to decisions you later regret. Even now, there is an unspoken thought that if you live with your parents, then you are not independent, but rather you are lazy and unsuccessful. Two years ago, I was at a four-year university that made my family proud. They were so proud that even though I was not receiving that much financial assistance, they willingly covered half of my tuition just for me to stay. My first semester there, I met a lot of people, many of which were upperclassmen and had their own place. I had been on campus for three months and soon we had to decide on our housing for the following year. Being a planner that I am, I guaranteed myself a spot in the new dorms that were built. I was set. Of course, I asked my friends what dorm they had selected. To my surprise, many of them were signing contracts for apartments. It seemed as though everyone was. All of a sudden, it appeared that if you were not getting an apartment, then you were not an adult. I felt under the pressure when a mutual friend of mine asked me if I wanted to be her fourth roommate. That was the first mistake, agreeing to live with people I did not know, and second, agreeing because every college student on campus had an apartment. I signed my contract and thought the price was reasonable because all four of us were going to split it. As the new school year was approaching, I received an email from my new landlord regarding that my first month's rent was due. My heart dropped when I saw how much I owed. I had misunderstood that our releases were individually made and then the amount that I thought we were splitting was in fact how much I owed and not everyone as a whole. There was no splitting. There was no cancellation fee for my lease. There was no way my part-time job could pay for this. There was no way I could ask my family to help me pay for my housing. This mistake led me to having to take a year off of school and working every day just to make ends meet for my rent. What I learned from this experience is to not let others influence you, regardless of how tempting an idea can be. I learned that I could have read my contract and not rush to a decision. I learned that if I had ever wanted, it's not worth if you are not happy. You can have anything in the world, but without happiness, there is no point. That year, I learned how to budget and make ends meet. I learned the true value of life. I learned to make any situation into a positive one. I believe that we should not always believe that society is right. When it comes to our individual life, there could be many possibilities and because of this, not everything will work in our favor like it did for our neighbor. Instead, let us focus on the present and what we can do now. And we're back. Remember, you are listening to WLPNOP Chicago 105.5 FM Lumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Stewie White, your local little village. And well, 
we just heard Irene and Wendy's pieces, and um, I like uh, Irene's uh, audio piece when she talked about how uh, how hard it was for her to continue her education after graduating from high school because she said that she did not qualify for any financial aid at all. Yeah. And she has to start working, and she it was hard for her to ask her parents um, if they could help her pay her tu- her tuition, you know, and it's something like a lot of people struggle with. Yeah, especially, especially in college. Yeah, and yeah. Uh, and if you and if you don't qualify for any financial aid, then you like it's her, like out of your pocket. Yeah, it's like, yeah, it's a lot of work. Yeah, and she has to say that she had to find a job and. That mean that meant that she was risking her grades because going to school and having a job is not easy, you know. Yeah. Because you lack of time, you know. Yeah, it's and then basically your whole, I mean, your your life for those few years depends on school and work, and it's like, oh, and then it is hard. Um, there's a lot of college students that work and go to school. I I do part time work, but I do full time college. I know you do full-time work and full-time college. Yeah, <laughs> and I so took really five <laughs> classes this semester. <laughs> you so. took five classes this semester. Oh, my God, right? I, mean, yeah. I don't know how you do it. Uh, me neither. <laughs> yeah. So we're going to continue with uh, with the This I Believe for uh, audio pieces from our classes. So these two were from... Oh, yeah, they were from uh, my class. From Brian's class, uh, Idiana and uh, Wendy. And Wendy. Um, so up next is Sarai. Um, I believe this is your class or my class. That should be your class because oh, I don't remember just any study. <laughs> okay. Um, so stick around and enjoy. I believe in compassion. I believe in helping those who are in need without asking others. I believe in helping those who are in need without asking for anything in return. When faith is a tragedy or a disaster, the power to help others is a feeling we can't deny. People donate their time to help others in need while others hear a cry for help and do whatever they can to make sure that that person is okay. In today's atmosphere, cynical people would say that we are too absorbed in our own problems to show compassion. But I remember a situation where my compassion outweighed my own personal problems, and I was not too absorbed to act. A few months ago, I was coming home from work after spending a full eight hours on my feet as a cashier. I remember there were homework assignments I needed to complete, readings to catch up on, and what I wanted to make for lunch when I got home. Home was at least an hour away on the CTA. I finally completed one major checkpoint and waited for the second bus so that I could go home. It was around 3.43 in the afternoon in that October and I grumbled how I had to wait a full 15 minutes for the next bus to arrive, knowing it was going to be full of high schoolers and everyone else. Granted, I knew that I was going to stand from how packed the buses were. Aside from the teenager next to me, I looked again on my phone to see when the next bus was going to arrive. Instead of the 15 minutes, it was going to take 17. Feeling more annoyed, I put my phone away the sky cold and gray, and my patience wearing thin. By the time I would get home, it would already be dark. Out of the corner of my eye, I noticed there was some movement. I turned and saw two people yanking at a lady's purse. When she wasn't letting go, they punched her in the face, and she went down, still clutching her belongings. And that's when they started kicking her out of nowhere and possibly without any care, because I never thought twice to think that they would have a weapon on them. I ran out towards them. What the hell are you doing? I yelled as loudly as I could. Leave her alone. Caught red-handed, they got the purse and bolted straight down into an alley nearby. The teenager next to me heard what happened and went to go see the woman who was on the ground. Down the alley, I could see that there was a car nearby. And once they hopped inside, they drove away from us. Another car saw the whole thing and gave chase, but my attention dwindled on the attackers. What about the woman? After the teenager got her on her feet, she was rubbing her head and holding her arm close to her body. Not only did she have her belongings stolen, she was also injured. 
I asked if she was okay, but she didn't speak English. Instead, she spoke to me in Spanish on how she was hit in the head. By now, the bus had finally arrived, and the kid next to me, probably worried about what he was going to get involved in, told me that he had to leave. I asked if she was okay at first, and she told me that other than having her items stolen, she said that her arm hurt terribly. So I decided to contact her family first before I could contact the police. She couldn't remember. I'm not certain if it was because of the shock that she was robbed, but at the moment, she could not remember any of the phone numbers from her family members. However, she did tell me that her son was a police officer. I didn't know if it was possible to have a random police officer contact her son to tell her what happened, but it was my best bet. I didn't want to leave this woman alone in the hospital without anyone to contact. I called the emergency services, and an ambulance arrived first. Eventually, squad car finally arrived, and there were three police officers who came to talk to me. Since she had no past experience with English and wasn't able to speak it, I decided to be the middleman between the conversations. She would tell me what happened in Spanish, and I would translate them to my best knowledge in English. She told me what was going on before the attack happened. She told me how they kicked and punched her. And then she told me how she had no idea. And she told me she had no reconciliation of her family's contact information. This conversation flooded with memories, memories of when I was younger. And I had to help my parents not only deal with interactions between people who didn't understand with what my parents said, but also having to be put in uncomfortable situations that children normally don't need to be put in. I believe that drug addiction should be treated as a disease and not as a criminal offense. In America, we treat people who suffer from drug addictions as criminals instead of people suffering from mental illnesses. Webster Dictionary defines disease as a disorder or incorrectly functioning organ, part, structure, or system of the body resulting from the effect of genetic or developmental errors, infection, poison, nutritional deficiency or imbalance, toxicity or unfavorable environmental, genetic, or nutritional factors. When a person becomes addicted to drugs, they fail, they fall victim to psychological disorders such as mania and depression. They can also succumb to physical ailments including heart attacks, strokes, organ failure, and even death. Drug addiction changes the brain, altering the normal hierarchy of needs and desires. The child of an addict is three to five times more likely to become an addict as well, bolstering the data that suggests that there is a strong genetic link. All the aforementioned results of drug addiction certainly meet the requirements of what a disease is. How could a man treat a woman like she is anything less than human? How could a man never find fault for any of his wrongdoings? How could this man make a flower feel like it will never have a chance in blooming? How could you? How could a man just so easily abandon his flesh and blood? So many names for me to call it, but love is not what it was. You hurt me. You made me feel like I was everything, everything but worthy, but why? Why? Why did it take nine months for you to put your pride aside to hustle up enough concern to see if I was still alive though my body was not deceased? Every part of me had died, they say. Show no love. Love will get you killed. I guess I show so much fidelity that's how you made me feel like I was lifeless. But I still remain discerning even after every crisis. Mama told me she ain't like it, that no part of you was righteous. Conversations would grow quiet, irritated with the silence, I dolefully respond. But he's still my father. You tell me that you love me with every fiber of your being, then your large hands will grip my neck with no sympathy for my breathing. It was the beatings. It was the beatings. It was the unapologetic beatings. 
telling me I was gonna learn, but what lessons were you teaching because I didn't get it? And this life that you helped make for me, I did not want to live it, this was not life. You'd watch her pull my hair punch and stump me without even thinking twice all because she was your wife. The scars are still visible. The pain is still there. And that broken heart that you gave me cannot easily be repaired because now I feel worthless. Like my value has been deserted. And I know that I'm far from perfect, but I did nothing. I did nothing. I did nothing to deserve this. How am I supposed to know how to be treated by a man if you never even showed me? It's like you never really cared. And I still had the utmost respect for you. You went on and got married and let those vows get the best of you. You justify every action that you knew was unacceptable. Push me off to the side like a kid trying not to eat its vegetables because you had got married. Now every man that I attract, I don't expect for him to stay. Because I'll pull a man close to me just to push him further away. See, I wish my father would have shown me Real love is supposed to feel like. So if a man ever comes around and loves me unconditionally, I'll know when it's real. They say, show no love. Love will get you killed. I guess I show so much fidelity, that's how you make me feel. Like I am lifeless. I wrote this piece about three years ago. I was 19 years young, still filled with rage, pain, resentment. As I've grown older, I've come to realize the essence of forgiveness not only forgiving the ones that hurt you, but also being able to forgive yourself for carrying on burdens for so long. Burdens that altered your happiness and only caused you to keep hurting. Forgive for the sake of your sanity, your growth, your freedom. There was a point in time where I was so broken and angry. I tried to convince myself that my dad did not exist. I wanted to harbor pain because I wanted to hate him. See, I felt like I owed him that much. But the reality is, I owe myself so much more. I owe myself love, redemption, serenity, and prosperity. This experience has taught me a valuable lesson. You cannot truly expect to heal if you are constantly picking at an open wound. I believe that time heals all. And we're back. Remember, you are listening to WLPNOP Chicago 105.5 FM Blumpen Radio, broadcasting live from Studio One, your local in Little Village. So, thank you guys for sticking around for a special show today of What's Up um, from me and Brian, since uh, we were in the same humanities class and we With really enjoyed days. it. And oh, different, cl- oh, same mm-hmm. teacher, same class, but different, different times, days. different days. But yeah, oh, all these pieces we heard, they were like pretty amazing and personal especially the last one which was really emotional and uh the narrator had put a lot of emotion in it you know and this is the magic of the this i believe statement project that we had in this class yeah um i I enjoyed all of them i really wish we had more time to uh show all of them but 
unfortunately we ran out of time brian so we're gonna say our goodbyes thank you guys for sticking around and thank you guys for listening to our special show today thank um, you guys and it was good to be back you yeah know, it's good to be back you know it's like it feels like i'm feeling nostalgic next to me co-hosting the show yeah. So thank you, Brian, for coming, uh, spending this early morning Saturday with me and mm-hmm. here at Yolokale. 